0: Do me a favor for this sermon. I know, this, this will test your biblical skills. I need you to find 1 Samuel chapter 8 and put a ribbon, a piece of paper, a bookmark at 1 Samuel in the New Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 8, New Testament. Find Acts chapter 9. Now, those that are spiritual like myself, my Bible comes with two ribbons. So, I can... uh, Let's see here. Okay. One of them is an ax. So, find 1 Samuel 8. Okay. So, how many of you have ribbons with your Bible? Okay, there's the... The ones that have the cheap Bibles have no ribbons. The super-spiritual ones can have five ribbons. Oh, the phone. Oh man, no ribbons. Yeah. So, but you can probably move fast between First Samuel and Acts, huh? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that way it will help when we get when we get there. I early off in ministry, you know, forty-three years ago. So I was. I always have a tough time to figure out a good title for each sermon, but the longer I've gone, I I find funny titles in in the messages. And so, the title of my sermon here is "Are You Chasing Donkeys or Hiding Among the Luggage?" So, um, and you will see as we go through the scriptures how that title fits in with our passage. Okay? Are you chasing donkeys? Or hiding among the luggage. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you the story three times. The first time I tell you the story, I'm just going to give you a Reader's Digest overview. The second time we're going to go through the story, we're going to look at the verses. The third time we go through the story, I'm going to show you how it applies to the New Testament truth and to our lives. Okay, so first time through the story. Israel says, hey, we're tired. <laughs> we, we want a human king. And it's, it is so sad because God was their king for three, 400 years, but now we want a king like every other country has. And so God says, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to give them a king. So a guy rises up, comes into our scripture. His name is Saul, and he's going to become the first king of Israel, King Saul. And so Saul rises up. He's a good-looking guy, young guy. And, and he is chasing after donkeys. His dad, not... Yeah. is it Yeah, donkeys. His dad lost the donkeys. And so he sends his son, Saul, and says, hey, take a servant and go find my donkeys. And Saul is searching all over the place for days looking for these donkeys... And finally, the servant says, hey, let's go to church. There's there's a minister that may be able to help us. And I'm kidding. They're talking about going to Samuel, okay? So they go to Samuel. Meanwhile, the Lord says to Samuel, I'm going to bring a guy to you. His name is going to be Saul, and you're going to anoint him with oil because he is going to become the first king over Israel. So Saul comes to Samuel. Samuel tells him, guess what? You're going to be the first king. And Saul is like, no way, I come from the smallest tribe of Benjamin. I'm a nobody, I can't believe I'm being picked. And Samuel says, yes, and he anoints him with oil. He tells Samuel, then tells Saul, look, here's what's going to happen now. You, you've met the Lord, and you're going to go on the way back home. By the way, the donkeys got back home with your dad. But on your way back home, you're going to meet a whole bunch of believers, and they're going to be singing and praising the Lord. And when that happens, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And you are going to be transformed into a different person. And then you're in the mighty power of God. You're going to be able to do amazing things at Kings, as a king. And other people are going to comment how different you are. So that's going to occur as you head back home. Now, later on, there's an election because all of Israel wants an official election. So Samuel gathers all Israel together and says, okay, we're going to figure out who should be king. We're going to draw lots. And so they all draw lots and Benjamin gets chosen. And then clan by clan and this clan gets chosen. Family by family, Kish's family gets chosen. Person by person, Saul gets chosen. And so Samuel says, okay, the lot says that um, Saul will be king. And everyone's looking around. Where's Saul? Where's Saul? Well, Saul is hiding in the baggage. And so the Lord actually says, there he is. He's in the baggage. And so they go grab him and they pull him out and everyone looks at him and says, you are our king. And so that's how the first king gets chosen and elected. All right? Let's go through the story now the second time. Okay? Okay. So, come with me. So, 1 Samuel chapter 8, we went over that last week. That's where the people all go, we want a king. And it broke God's heart. Verse 7, and in chapter 8, verse 7, And the Lord said to him, Listen to all the people are saying to you, It is not you they have rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. And God is like, ah, why do they do this? Chapter 9. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing or a man of wealth. Lots of version, versions have he was a wealthy man whose name was Kish. That's the father of Saul, son of, Ab- and I'm going to butcher these names, Abel, the son of Zoror, the son of Bakarath, the son of Afaf of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. I mean, this is the best-looking guy there is. Not only that, and it says, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Listen, women, this is the ideal man. (laughs) Wealthy, good-looking, and tall. Now, women, before you just go looking at a man outwardly, you may want to look at their soul, spirit, heart, and mind as well. By the way, most presidents of the United States of America have been tall men. And by the way, if there's an election and you're a betting person, whoever is the taller candidate wins like three-quarters of the time. Put your money on whoever is taller and that person is going to win. In fact, tall people seem to move up in leadership and become CEOs and stuff like that. But now for those of you that are shorter, you will actually have the last laugh because shorter men on average live five years longer than tall men. So the tall men drop off dead and you will be, ha, 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 ha. it's my time now. Okay. So it's like God is picking this guy and it's like for everyone looking outwardly like, oh, yeah, this is a wonderful guy. Okay, verse 3. Now the donkeys... Here, I got my donkeys. There they are. And the donkeys are always comedic animals. aren't? In cartoons, they're always the ones that are the jokers and the clowns and, you know. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Salasha, but they did not find them. Then they went into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they could not find them. When they reached the district of Zulf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, or my father will say, we'll stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, Look, in this town there's a minister. Let's go to LifePoint Alliance. He's highly respected. Everything he says come true, Let, let's go him. Let's go see the minister, okay? So they go, which is going to be Samuel. Come down to verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked at my people, for the cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned if not to you and your whole family line? You're going to be the king. Everyone's desiring a king. You're going to be that king. Saul answered, verse 21, Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Now, what tribe is Saul from? Twelve tribes. Which tribe? Benjamin. Benjamin. And how big is that tribe compared to all the other tribes? It's the smallest tribe. And why is it the smallest tribe? Why is it the smallest tribe? So there's a story in the Bible, and I will summarize it for you. At the end of the book of Judges, about 300, 400 years before this point, a man with a servant girl was traveling through the tribe of Benjamin, and they stayed overnight at someone's house. And the men from the town came out and said, "We, Hey, you, you can read it. We, we want you. And they send that woman servant out, and I cannot tell you what they do, but they wind up killing that woman. The man leaves, and he tells... First of all, he says, am I going to get justice here? And the town says, you're not going to get any justice, too bad. Oh, by the way, the Benjamin tribe is a very rebellious, murderous tribe. In fact, it's prophesied in Genesis that they're kind of a very murderous type of people. So the guy leaves, and he tells the other 11 tribes, my servant girl was viciously killed and murdered. So the other 11 tribes say to the tribe of Benjamin, hand over those men who murdered this man's servant woman. And the people in the tribe of Benjamin said, tough luck. We're not doing it. Can you imagine if a state in the United States Let's say Oklahoma, you know, you get shot in Oklahoma and you say, I want justice. And Oklahoma goes, we approve of murder in our state. And no, we're not handing over a murderer to anyone else. You know, the other 49 states would be pretty upset. Well, that's what Benjamin did. All the people said, we're not handing over the murder. We're speaking as one group, one tribe over our dead body. Are we handing those men over to you? So the other 11 tribes went to war against the tribe of Benjamin. And first, they killed all their soldiers, which is about 30,000 soldiers. Now, you'll note in verse 47 here that 600 of the soldiers escaped to the hillside. After they killed all of the soldiers of Benjamin... The rest of Israel went out, went all through, verse 48, went all through that tribe of Benjamin, and they killed everyone. Every woman, every child, every young man, whoever was left, got killed. So the only ones left were those 600 men that had hidden it in the the mountains, Chapter 21, verse 2, The people went to Bethel, where they sat before God until evening, raising their voices and weeping bitterly. Lord God of Israel, they cried. Why has this happened to Israel? Why should one tribe be missing from Israel today? And they actually go kidnap 600 women just to get wives. Since everyone was wiped out, they actually grabbed 600 women to send up into the mountains for the 600 men that were left of Benjamin so that they could have children. But that's why the tribe of Benjamin, which probably was over 100,000, became the smallest tribe in Israel. Are right, you with me? Okay. So let's come down to chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, of olive oil, and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance. God has anointed you to be the first king. Then he tells him you're going to head back to your dad's house and you're going to run into a revival service. So chapter chapter 10 verse 5. Samuel says to Saul, "After that you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying, proclaiming God's word, and the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy. You are going to proclaim God's word, and you will be changed into what? I use this. You will be changed into a different person. So let me just briefly explain to you, there are three types of people that the scripture talks about. There's people that do not know the Lord. Then there are people who get saved. They ask Jesus to be their savior. But they don't, they, and when you get saved, when you ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, you get the spirit of God. The spirit of God comes in you at the point of salvation. But the spirit doesn't get all of you. If you do not surrender all, so, you are a saved believer, but actually you're not any different than you were before you got saved. You're just a saved sinner, as we call it. But you still are swearing the same amount that you swore before. And you're still thinking wrong thoughts, and you're doing wrong things, but you're saved. You've asked Jesus to be your Savior, but there there isn't outwardly, there's not much difference to you other than, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. But then if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, now you become a different person. Now it becomes obvious. Your thinking is different. What comes out of your mouth is different. What you put your hands to is different. It's, you, you've allowed God to take control of your life, and people see that. So, verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, And you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do. For God is with you. You're now filled with the presence of the Lord. So verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel. So Saul's about to leave Samuel. God changed what? His heart. This is when Saul gets saved. God changes his heart and he has now a heart for God. So this is his salvation. Now he's heading on his way and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Kibeah, a procession of prophets met him and the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. So, now, so again, he's with Samuel, he is saved. God changes his heart. Now he's walking on the way home Now he meets the prophets. The Spirit of God comes on him. He's changed into a different person. He starts proclaiming God's Word. Verse 11, when all those who had formerly known him, when all of his friends saw, 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 wait, phew, tongue twister. Saw saw. (laughs) Saul, whew, Um, and they saw him with the prophets. With the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Man, he's changed. He's like a preacher man now, right? So his friends and everyone that knew him before, like, he's totally different. He's changed. Now, they have the official election in verse 17. So, so far, really only Samuel, the Lord, and Saul knows that he's supposed to be the next king, But now here's the election. Verse 17. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mitzpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities, and you have said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, The tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes. Wait, hold on, I got a picture here. Okay. (laughs) Yes, the Lord says, He's hiding himself. Now, in the the newer NIV, it says among the supplies. But most versions in the older NIV says he's hiding in the baggage. He's hiding with the suitcases. Okay? So they go. They ran. Verse 23. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And then the people shouted, long live the king. All right. Let's just review. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin, rebellious, murderous tribe, prophesied. It cost them most of the people of that tribe who were defending the murderers. Saul's from that tribe. He, he gets saved. His heart is changed. He then goes to a revival service with the prophets and is now filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him powerfully. He's changed into a different person. And then all of his friends say, is that the same Saul we grew up with? Is that the same Saul we hang out with at the bars? He's changed. He's, you know, what happened to him? He's like one of the holy people. You with me? Okay. Now come to the book of Acts chapter 9. Let me tell you the most fascinating coincidences. So, I want to share with you the name of another individual. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Which Saul is this? We, we know him as an, a, a different name, Paul, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, that's a name he got later on. That's not his real name. His real name is Saul. And you'll notice, oh, let me ask you this question. What tribe was the Apostle Paul, whose real name was Saul, what tribe was Saul from? Was Saul from Judah, Levi, Joseph? He was also from that very small tribe. Philippians 3, 4, 8, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It's funny, the first Saul, I'm wealthy. The best-looking man there is and a head taller than anyone else. And here's the Apostle Paul. I have the best confidence in flesh. I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. I've been circumcised. I've gone to seminary. I am the Jew of Jews in the flesh. I, I am amazing. So what a coincidence. This Saul became the first king over Israel. This Saul becomes the tool that God uses to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He is the first preacher that brings the good news to the world, you know, like, especially to the Gentiles. So you know that Saul gets saved on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him. By the way, I think the apostle Paul, Saul, was chasing after donkeys too. And he's murderous. Those Benjamite genes are in, in him as well. He's got a murderous spirit. That's that whole tribe. That's the that's the what Israel prophesied about Benjamin. And it's in Saul. He's out, he's killing Christians, he's, you know, persecuting them. So now he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Saul gets saved. And then he is told, Saul, you're going to travel and you're going to meet someone who's going to pray for you. So, let's see here. You're going to... Verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, this is like the Lord talking to Samuel. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision he has, been, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It's funny, God picked the first king. Oh, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king that's going to be horrible, King Saul, and, and, and God now, and I'm going to choose this Saul who is going to reach Gentiles, preach to kings, and, you know, will do amazing things. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like Saul. Saul gets saved when he's with Samuel. His heart is changed. He's on the road. He meets some godly men and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul, the Apostle Paul, saved on the road to Damascus. He goes to Ananias. Ananias prays for him and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you start proclaiming the Word of God. In fact, in, in the Bible... It talks about, Jesus says to the disciples, look, I I know you're saved, but I don't want you witnessing. I don't want you doing anything until you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you will have power to be my witnesses, to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Disciples, don't do anything. I know you're saved. I know you're anxious. Don't do anything until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Saul, saved on the road to Damascus, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's now, verse 20, at once, he is now preaching Jesus. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yes, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. There's only two stories in the Bible like this. Saul, King Saul, gets saved, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, changed into a different person, and all the people that knew him said, isn't that Saul? The son of Kish, he's different. He's changed. He's like a preacher. The apostle Paul wrote to Damascus, gets saved, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately he proclaims the word of God and everyone that knows him go, isn't that Saul? Isn't he the one that was killing Christians? Isn't he the bad guy that we, what, what happened to him? He's changed. He's, he's a different person. By the way, There is one difference between these two Saul's. Just so you know, this is an amazing, I'm only giving you little glimpses of the fascinating coincidence of the two Saul's in the Bible. There are more amazing coincidences between their two stories. But there is one difference. The Saul of the Old Testament becomes rebellious against God. Even though he's hiding in the baggage and kind of humble in the beginning, the Saul of the Old Testament, it goes to his head and he becomes the murderous Saul again. In fact, at one point, King Saul kills every priest except for one. The apostle Paul, the Saul of the New Testament, must have realized you know in my blood in my genes there's a murderous spirit there's a a rebellious spirit towards god and some believe that he was actually probably named after the first king but the apostle paul was like wait i don't want the same thing happening to me that happened to king saul in the old testament that we'll see as we go through first samuel And so the Apostle Paul says, I I need something to keep me humble. Well, he says in Corinthians, my head was getting so big because of the visions and the things I was learning from God that God had to give me a thorn in my flesh, something in his flesh, in order to keep me humble. In fact, we believe that Saul took on a new name, Paul. And do you know what Paul means in the Greek? It means small, insignificant, nothing. So we actually think that the Apostle Paul changed his own name on purpose and said, "Don't call me Saul, because the Saul of the Old Testament became prideful and rebellious against God. Call me Paul. I'm nothing. I'm insignificant. I, I don't want to shipwreck. My faith, like King Saul did, it's it's all about Jesus. So, my challenge to all of you is, number one, I think some of you are chasing after donkeys in life. And donkeys are very hard to catch. The donkeys of pleasure, the donkeys of money, the donkeys of Drugs, whatever the world, people chase after donkeys. And even when you catch them, they escape again. Donkeys will just laugh at you, okay? What's interesting is the donkeys go back to the Father. It reminds me of what Jesus says. Jesus says, you know, if you seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, you get all those things you want. You want to enjoy life, you want, you know, the proper balance of wealth and pleasure. Follow God, and the donkeys are with God. He'll bless you with those things. When you chase after the donkeys, that's a mistake. But when you chase after God, you get those. Some of you here are chasing donkeys your whole life. You're chasing after donkeys, thinking this is the key, this is what's gonna make you happy, this is what makes life fulfilling. Forget the donkeys. And chase after God number two some of you are hiding in the baggage so God wants to you know I'm gonna talk to Christians here you've been saved God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and he wants to once you're filled with God and empowered then God says whatever you put your hand to you're gonna do with amazing blessing of God upon you I picked on Gail in the first service He's an attorney I said, so you got the attorney that's lost. And that attorney, everything is selfish, self-focused. It's, you know, that's the lost attorney. Then you can have an attorney that's saved. But you see, they're no different than this attorney that's lost, except now they're saved and they're going to heaven, they had their sins forgiven, but they're still kind of, it's all about self and, you know, making money and doing their own thing. But then you have the attorney that's not only saved, but the attorney that gets filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what changes that attorney into a different person. Now that attorney has the wisdom of God, incredible insight, the wisdom like Solomon has, how to cut the baby in half. That amazes every you know. They don't cut the baby in half, but you know the case. Um, that attorney is used, and 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 God is blessing and giving insight to the legal side, and and uh, this anointing that God has come upon that attorney. But some of you, so God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants to use the, uh, what you have. He wants to take control and bless your life for his glory, not your glory, but for God's glory. But some of you, though God's calling you, you're hiding in the baggage. You're hiding in the baggage. I'll meet Christians and I go, Hey. You know, you need to step out in the blessing of the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants you to do amazing things in your life. And the person goes, oh, pastor, you don't know the baggage I carry. You're hiding in the baggage, aren't you? You're hiding in the baggage of your life. I'm like, I can match you. My suitcases will match your suitcases, okay? Okay of the baggage of our past, okay? We, got, we all have baggage, right? Stop hiding in the baggage. Stop hiding like, oh, yeah, how I was raised and the things that happened to me, Pastor. I can't step out in the blessing because I, I've got all this baggage. Get out of the baggage. It's God. It's God who goes, they're like, where is he? Where is he? And God goes, God rats him out. He's hiding in the baggage over there. Go get him. Go get him. So that's what I'm doing. Some of you come to church here, and you're hiding in the baggage. You should be stepping out and saying, God, I need... No longer am I going to hide in the baggage. Use me. Fill me. And set me to to work for you. So I'm going to ask the elders. John, Pastor Gary. Any other elders here? So, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to have the elders anoint those of you that are open to being anointed with the oil, which is just a symbol, but you're asking for God to fill you afresh. And we need to be filled on a continual basis. That's what Ephesians 5.18 is. The Apostle Paul says we need to be filled constantly, every single day. Because over time, we can lose that filling. We, We can get lukewarm. We can, in the old days in churches, every year you would have revival services. It was for the Christians, and it was to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. But they don't do revival services anymore. It's too bad. But we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit fresh. As I grow in the Lord, I realize I'm like this secret mansion. I'm thinking the Lord has, you know, that I've given the Lord my heart, my soul, my mind, my body. But then I discover the Lord reveals secret rooms in my attic, in my basement, closets that I didn't know about. As I grow in the Lord, and the Lord says, I don't have access to that area of your life, that room. I've revealed new areas that need to be filled, that you need to surrender to me. So, I want to ask you to come. If you, would, if you need a fresh filling of the Spirit, they will anoint you on your forehead in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then just stay up here. The worship team would come. Just stay up here and sing. We have some songs. After everyone's been anointed, then I will pray a prayer over everyone. Everyone follow that? So, let's stand. And I'm going to grab. So, there'll be three of us anointing. Pastor Gary, myself, and Elder John here. And uh, after we anoint you just hang up and stay here but do you need stop chasing after donkeys stop hiding in the baggage do you need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost so that you can start proclaiming his word start living for him you will be changed into a different person when you let the spirit of God move upon you and do amazing things so you come a prayer. we haven't missed anyone everyone's so here's just one thought that I have Samuel anointed who would be King Saul but then it wasn't until a little bit later that the spirit really came upon him I have no idea when the spirit will fall mightily upon you it might be now it might be tonight It might be in a couple of days. But you'll know when God's spirit falls upon you and just you fall in total surrender to Jesus Christ by his spirit in your life. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here in the sanctuary. And they've been anointed. But Lord, you anoint them with your spirit. Father, your word says that if a son asks his father... For bread, fish, the Father won't give them a snake or scorpions. So even though, Jesus says, even though we're sinful people, we know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more does the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so by faith, we come asking that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would fill us, our heart, our soul, our mind, our body, our strength, that you would give us the strength to witness for you, to live for you, that you would move in our life and our occupation and our calling, and that, uh, that our friends and neighbors, I pray that eventually friends, neighbors, relatives will say, you're different. THAT THEY WILL SEE JESUS ALIVE IN US. SPIRIT OF GOD, YOU'RE a, A FIRE. BURN THE DROSS, THE SIN OUT OF OUR LIVES. THE lukewarmness SET US ON FIRE. MAY WE BE HOT FOR JESUS CHRIST. MAY YOU GIFT US, EMPOWER US, AND USE US IN WONDERFUL, MIGHTY WAYS. MAY THE DEVIL BE BOUND AND MAY YOU Lord, we don't want just a little bit of the Spirit. We want to be drowned with the Spirit. Baptized. baptized, To be submerged with the Spirit of God upon us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. We're going to sing. I want all of us to sing Spirit of the Living God. The words should be up here. Bless all the people that watch this online. Lord, they don't have to be here. They can be filled to spirit in their living rooms and in their cars. May you move upon us in Jesus' name. Bless us as we go. Amen.